This podcast contains language that is not appropriate for children, including mouth cum, clusterfuck, and climate change denial. So welcome to the podcast, if this is your first <laughs> We're talking about mouth cum. But like it's a thing. It's it's a it's two words that I never wanted to like I, I didn't really want to put that together, but um it has to do with the god of the week. Sorry, guys. I mean I stand behind it. Like I endorse that. So anyway, uh we have a we have a sponsor this week. Uh this week's episode is brought to you by Fuck It. You know, sometimes when you want to try to do things and when you have responsibilities or maybe even a social event to go to, why not fuck it and stay home? Fuck it. The better alternative to social interaction with the outside world. Fuck it. All right. Fuck it. Fine. Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. (laughs) Hello, and thank you for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan, and as always, I am joined by my brilliant friend, Natalie. I, and then I, yeah. I guess I have to read like the rest of this. I said, I haven't read this until like the second. I said brilliant and pretend like I just said brilliant and all bold because that's brilliant. what I said. Uh-huh. Because I read every word that Natalie writes on the Google Doc because Natalie is brilliant. Like she like fucking knows it. I just know it. I know it. So I put it in the Google Doc that you don't read until this very minute when we sit down. Face I to read, face. I don't. I don't look at that section of it. I look at the other sections of it. Yeah. So, so there. Brilliant. Brilliant on my part that I knew that you don't read the Google Doc. Hey, and if I'm not mistaken, I did. I did a lot of the actual outline for the interview that we have coming up uh, here with Shaughnessy. Yeah. Oh yeah, because this. I think I was dying when this happened. We're dying. I think I was and, dying, and, and I dead. just had to had to sit it out. But I like like Jesus then resurrected. Came back to life after. I did. After after three days i mean i recorded the interview on january 9th so this was a while ago yeah we'll see and i'm, and I'm here like a month ago yeah yeah you rest and, and that mm-hmm. leads us into our god of the week all right Maybe. so yeah yeah let's, let's let's do it let's do a god of the week and so this one this one was given to me like like a terrible terrible gift um by Friend of the show. We call people friends of the show that have been on. Friend of the show, Matthew O'Neill, um, our favorite atheist theologian who knows about a lot of weird um, God and religious stuff. I mean, so we'll need, um, to, we'll need to hold, hold off on calling him favorite until after this is done. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so here's the thing: we're going back to ancient Egypt, and we're going to this god named a tomb who was a creator god. So today we're going to we're just going to talk about how how the world came into existence. And like I have handwritten notes and I underline the word came and it's like I hate myself for that. And like the story hasn't even started, you know, because I'm just like I have a middle school sense of humor, obviously. So. All right. So a tomb. He created himself from just like the darkness that existed before creation, because something has to start things. Right. So he started everything um fine so so he appears he ends up being this like creator god who accompanies people from birth to death he like has a boat that he sails through the sky and like he's reborn every day and that gives us a new day but like that doesn't really matter because we are gonna get to him like ejaculating into his own mouth um because which is a thing like that's a danger that that's that's a thing you have like if it's 
Anyway, yeah. different podcast, different yeah. podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's for that's for another day. Um <laughs> that's the mechanics the other of that. Podcast I do. <laughs> that's that's for the other one. Um so here so here's how the world began. So he's he creates himself out of nothing. And then and here I'm gonna give you a quote from him because because in Matthew you can't, you can't create something from nothing though. It, that's stupid. It's, checkmate. It's a checkmate, checkmate whatever. Evolutionists. So so back to the intro to this show when I said the the phrase mouth come, um, our friend of the show sent me an email. Which is not uncommon, which is not, like which, just no, side note, like not uncommon. No, no. So so I get an email with with PDF or not PDF screenshots of a um of a book that had the story of a tomb, but the subject line of the email was mouth come. So that's the kind of email I received. So you clicked um, on it immediately. So, so I clicked on it immediately. Like, of course, let let's read this. So so this is a this is a quote I guess attributed to a tomb because people know what ancient Egyptian gods who created the world said. So he said um, in quotes, "I copulated with my own fist. I masturbated with my own hand, and I ejaculated into my own mouth." Um, so this is how. So the god like he he creates himself out of nothing. He jerks off as one does after they create themselves from nothing. And he... That's how he, sex works, though. Y- yeah, right? yeah. And then, I guess, and so he, like, jizzed in his own mouth. And then... And then, and then what happens? Wait, and then what happens? Did he happens? spit or swallow? These are important he, follow-up questions well, you need to this, be asking. this is how the world began. He spit it out, and okay. then some... And Okay, so then, so you're with me here. He spits it yeah. out. And from because I mean, you got two options at that point, yeah. You so let it sit. and like, he's like, you... right. So he was kind of like, oh, I'm going to spit this out and see what happens. And so what happens when you spit it? <laughs> the Dan Broadway story. <laughs> so, so he spits it out, and then from the 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 semen that is spit out, some other gods appear. Like so now he has some gods. So and, he's asexually reproducing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a whole thing. It's like this defies the laws of science and anything. So, um, no, so it's, it, it totally, it totally fucking happened. <laughs> it totally happened. So he spits it out. There's some new gods. And then sadly one day, like these other gods go missing and a tomb's really sad, but then somehow they come back and he's really stoked that they come back and he cries tears of happiness. And from the tears of happiness and joy, humanity comes to be, and th- this is how it happened. Like we, so, so he, like, his jizz made gods, and then his tears made humans. The story of life. I mean, it's it's we, that's what happened. I got a fact check you here. Do you want a fact check? I hate, do, I hate to do this on on. I mean, we're broadcasting this as a live video, and so I hate to do this and embarrass you. Okay, but well, I just embarrassed what, what myself is, by saying all of that. What is what is like dighty come made out of? Like, is it even semen? Or is it? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, the, ra- like rainbows, of? sparkles, star, star stuff. <laughs> but see, he can't. He, you said he created himself from nothing, and you can't. Well, you can't create something from nothing. Well, I don't know, but like this is this. Oh, oh, what, what? Ooh. This is the Big Bang. It was the Big Bang, but it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it. yeah. You got it. You got it. This is how the world began with he mouth, mouth come. Yeah. <laughs> he had good aim and then just spit it out. And this happened. So, 
Like, <laughs> so thanks, Matthew O'Neill, for this. I think he was, was he episode 17? No, 22? I think it was, I don't know, 20-something. I think he was in the 20s. We could, we could hey. link to it in case people want to listen to to him talk about things that aren't he was, mouth He cum. was, if, if memory serves, he was extremely not uh, not that disgusting when he was on episode twenty nine. No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a disgusting episode. Um, what a what I a know. creepy dude! Creepy dude with that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I so that knowing he's listening to us talking about him. So that's our that's our god of the week. Um, he is never coming on this podcast again. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, I'll, everybody. I'll just I'll just have him write for the new website that I'm coming up with. Yeah, so no big deal. Um, and <laughs> but actually, like, and but like I'm not going to admit like publicly to like liking him or anything. But you know what though, I so like spo- spoiler alert. He has more he has more stories where this one came from. So we. And where did this story come from? It came from a book. Oh, get it? Like we're so <laughs> I, I get, I get it because we are middle school um, sense of humor people. So yeah, um, God of the week. Sorry, everybody. I said the word jizz <laughs> like, like five as, as times. Always, as always, so, like we're just sorry. Like <laughs> we're sorry for everything. And uh, yeah, <laughs> as as we as we transition to a uh, yeah a highbrow so. interview that you did. So <laughs> <laughs> right, like. Yeah. We might yeah. we might bump this to like next week or something. Hey, <laughs> so you know of... we we go we go low and high in the same episode. We, like... <laughs> <laughs> we have a good time with this. All right, done. I mean, hopefully you... she knew what she was getting into. Hopefully, I mean that was a good story. Already... That was that was a good story, wasn't it? That was a good story. Tonight, uh, just to prove that men can do anything women can do, but only for 25% more pay, I'll be flying solo as I talk to Shaughnessy Naughton, scientist, business leader, entrepreneur, and the founder of 314 Action. So Shaughnessy, thank you for taking some time out of your evening to join me. Thank you. Nice to be here. And so first thing I want to do is just get a little bit of your background and what you're about, where you're from, and kind of how, how you got to where you're at now. Sure. Uh, well, I'm born and raised in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb just north of Philadelphia along the Delaware River. I grew up in a big Irish Catholic family and was uh, the first generation of my family to go to college. And I uh, earned my degree in chemistry from Bryn Mawr College. And I worked in breast cancer research and drug discovery. And then about 15 years ago, stepped in to help turn around my family's uh, publishing business. And so I've had that experience of running a business and uh, balancing budgets and meeting payrolls, and as well as that experience of, of working in a lab and, and uh, working on research. And in 2014, I was tired of just complaining about all the nonsense I saw going on in Washington and particularly in Congress and decided to step up and try to make a difference. And I ran for the eighth congressional seat as a Democrat. And I was not successful. But one of the things that I learned a lot uh, and one of the things that really struck me was the lack of people with scientific backgrounds in Congress. 
Mm-hmm. And we certainly see that, um, you know, so many politicians saying, well, I'm not a scientist, but, uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I, one of the things I, uh, decided was I want to, I want to see more people saying, I am a scientist and this is why you need to listen to me. And I wanted, um, just, I think we all benefit by diversity of experience and background. Uh, whether in the workplace or in the halls of government. And so I founded 314 Action uh, as an organization to support and encourage uh, people with scientific backgrounds and a pro-science agenda to run and be successfully elected to office. Yeah, and that is definitely fantastic. And uh, I, I was talking – I talked to Ted on the phone a couple times, I think, uh, last month about uh, just kind of the background and things like that. But uh, he told me uh, that you guys, you, you have a full advisory board. And, and can you can we talk a little bit about that? Like who, who's on that? Who was all uh, backing this and involved? Sure. Uh, well, we have a uh, uh, pretty diverse board, uh, people from academia as well as industry, uh, scientists, climate scientists, uh, mathematicians, uh, physicists, um, as well as political uh, experts, um, because we certainly need their input and experience as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that I think that's a good point because we see, like you said earlier, we have politicians that say, "I'm not a scientist," but but then we have. But. You could say the same about a scientist. I'm not a politician, but you know, I, I want to do things this way. So I, there's there's definitely, I feel like some sort of uh, gap there that that does need need to be closed. And and we especially when you have people who maybe don't know how to interact with you know with the general public. You know, if, especially if they're used to writing um, you know research papers and, and things like that and, and using very technical terms. Uh, you know how just how to go about that kind of, I guess, uh, because I know Ted had talked about the kind of like grooming people and, and, uh, pushing them in, into politics and helping them, uh, make that jump. So how, how, like, how do you guys see going about doing that and, and accomplishing that? Well, um, uh, we have been receiving a lot of feedback from, uh, members of 314 Action and, uh, especially post November election, uh, <laughs> that are newly newly engaged and perhaps for the first time uh, thinking about running for office, uh, because I think there is a genuine concern uh, among the scientific community of what is what is the next four years going to look like? <laughs> I think there's a general concern amongst everybody that is wondering what the hell the next four years are going to look like. So what would you say, uh, I guess if you have to make, make a short list of goals, like what uh, would you say like your, your main goals are uh, like moving forward here? Well, we have two paths. Uh, one is we want to, uh, see more people with scientific backgrounds run for office and and get elected. Um, and you know, one of the uh, observations I had from my 2014 run, and part of why I founded 314 Action, was that when you don't come from a traditional political background, which is red law, 
uh, you are often locked out of the traditional, uh, in my case, democratic donor network. And so mm -hmm. in 2014, what we did was we made a concerted effort to reach out to the scientific community, tell them about myself and why I was running. And I received a tremendous amount of support uh, from them. And, um, you know, I think that these are people that traditionally uh, have thought of science as being above politics, which, of course, it is and should always be. But increasingly, we see that politics is not above science and is, uh, frankly, uh, science is under attack, whether it's denial of climate change or the cutting of research budgets or the politicizing of um, research projects. And uh, so what we want is a place for the scientific community to come together and unite around issues that uh, we care about. And so we've identified a few of those that we would like to uh, see addressed in, um, in Congress. Uh, one is action on climate change. Um, you know, this is not something that's going to get any easier the longer we delay acting on it. And frankly, it's only going to get more expensive the longer we wait to do something. So I, I think that's important that we continue to do that. I think we can make an economic case of how it makes sense for the long-term health of our economy, and it's actually a way that we could even bring back jobs to some of these areas that have been so decimated by um, by the loss of jobs, whether it's manufacturing or or even you know the, a lot of the the mining jobs in Western Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. they are not coming back. It does not take as many people to mine as it did a hundred years ago, but we can bring new industries, uh, especially new industries around clean energy. Um, to these regions that desperately need them. And I think that's something that uh, he who shall not be named did so well during his run uh, that uh, the his opponent did not. Uh, was he he? It's that's such a simple answer to say I'm going to bring back more coal jobs. And because yeah, I, I think he said that during one of the debates, and I saw yeah. it, saw it. And I'm like, well, just like you said, it's it's as technology improves, there's going to be a lower and lower need for the actual manpower involved there. But that's such a simple answer, and it gets such a reaction from. From people, especially if you know your family is affected by uh, the shutdown of, of coal mines, uh, and and like you just said, you know you you added the but you know we can do all these other things and in, in other other areas, and I think that's maybe and maybe that's like the entire like meta like problem here is we have people who hear one thing and then they stop listening and they or you know they they don't hear what they want it's like we're going to bring more coal jobs back and so how do you think we can do a better job of i guess either presenting ideas or reaching out to those people who you know are looking for you know just the band-aid you know answer or or even you know from a from a bigoted, arrogant, uh, asshole politician who is just lying to people, like, to their faces, and they're just ingesting it? Well, um, I'm not as, quite as good with simple, uh, simple fixes <laughs> that 
to complex problems, which, um, and, but I, I mean, I think part of, uh, what we need to be doing is, is talking to these people and, you know, and recognizing the very real problems that these communities are facing. Uh, you know, it wasn't just the jobs that left, the kids are leaving and the ones that are staying are facing, uh, you know, real societal issues. I mean, drug use is up and uh, families are breaking apart. And so you can't deny that that people are, are hungry for um, for things to get back on track. And um, I think that they're, you know, that their representatives in Congress are just as hungry to see jobs back in these regions. And I think that there is a way to do that. I mean, we've, um, we've, we've done that before, but we're not going to bring back jobs by trying to, you know, uh, look to the past and, <laughs> and, the, and the dirty energy of the past. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the way we will do that is by investing in our future, which means investing in clean technology. And like I said, that's not just research. That is manufacturing. I mean, China is investing in clean technology. Germany is investing in it. And by us not, we are falling behind and we will be buying those products from Germany or China in 20 years rather than making them here and exporting them. And I appreciate you saying China correctly. I have <laughs> heard it said incorrectly for months now. But I, I think – and I, of course, I'm I'm not an economist, but I think part uh, – at least part of that – the problem with that is that when we look at the budget, uh, when you know when a politician is making a budget, or really any company is making a budget, they would rather spend you know one you know a thousand dollars, however many dollars uh, a year on you know a quick fix to something that's going to keep it working and keep things moving, rather than invest you know ten thousand dollars over the course of like five, ten, however many years that is, and. I mean, from I guess from a political side of things, whenever you are coming up with a budget, like how how do you pitch that to people to say, well, look, this is going to cost us more money up front, but it's going to save us more money down the road? And how do you, I guess how do you communicate that effectively to them and get them to actually acknowledge that you know this is you know going to be better for us five years from now, but it's not the band aid fix that we're looking for that's going to you know. Make, make it's not the carrier deal that's a <laughs> that just didn't happen. That, and that's actually I'm actually from Indianapolis, and so I heard all about that. But it's you know something like that that's just a example of like corporate welfare. Like how do you how do you make the make people better understand those those long term goals like that? Well, I I I think that that is a real challenge, especially when congressmen have to get reelected every two years. Um, but I think it's really important to balance, you know, short-term sacrifice with long-term gain and growth. And that's what we traditionally have always done in this country. That's how we were able to think big and get to the moon. And we were able to think big and create a highway system and bridges and dams. And, uh, we need to be thinking big again when John, John F. Kennedy said we were going to get to the moon in 10 years. NASA wasn't even sure if we were going to be able to do it. But in the meantime, we put hundreds of thousands of people to work in over 20,000 industries and universities. 
and and we got there and created all these jobs and inspired an, an entire generation of Americans and really beyond America to to go into the sciences. And, and, and created all sorts of new technologies and that's innovations. Right. That's how we have GPS technology. And, you know, it really is the role of the federal government to, one, be thinking long-term and big, and two, to be investing in basic research because that's how we get the products and uh, cures that we're all grateful to have. And so... When we're when we're looking at that, then uh, you know, talking about scientific literacy uh, and developing those critical thinking skills, how do we go about raising that next generation uh, to be one that is uh, full of critical thinkers? Sure. Well, that uh, leads me to another area that three one four is uh, focusing on, and that is. Uh, to we need to provide greater support to particularly primary, uh, but also secondary education um, uh, to the, the teachers teaching our children, especially in the areas areas of um, science and math. You know, a lot of primary teachers, math was maybe not their favorite subject, and or science. And we need to give them better resources so they can inspire our our kids. We shouldn't be waiting until high school to be introducing computer science. Um, but in order for us to do that and do that effectively, teachers need to need to know how to teach these subjects, and that's something that we could be doing much better on. Um, but we need to be investing our our time and resources in it. I think especially uh, when we talk about, you know, lower incomes uh, areas as well as, as far as like their academic performance, that is such a societal problem more than it is, in my opinion, than it is the actual school system necessarily failing because we have kids who are, you know, they have to go home and, you know, maybe be the parent to, the, you know, their three, four or five siblings that they have at home because uh, mom or dad or wh whoever, you know, has to work, uh, you know, second shift or third shift or, or whatever. So they have a different, completely different priority system. And I think so many people don't want to recognize just how, like how poverty affects people, especially kids and, and how, it's how it's hard it, to learn when you're hungry or right, when you or, don't have electricity, when you get home, how do you do your homework? Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think, I think this is where I admit that I am kind of a socialist. <laughs> I think we need to do so much more uh, to help is have so many more programs to help these lower income families, yes. you know, break the cycle of poverty. And, 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 and then I think that alone without even having to dump money into schools will fix so many problems, I think, including, uh, you know, lo lower income areas, uh, per academic performance, but that's just I, me on my soapbox there. <laughs> oh no, I think that I think that that's I think that that is critically important. You know, my mother grew up in very hard circumstances and um, got married very young and uh, had my sister as a, as a teenager. And um, one of the uh, things that I really credit to her being able to um, pull her out of, 
pull herself out of poverty is that she understood home economics. And when we were growing up, we didn't have uh, a lot, especially, you know, in the, in the late 70s and the early 80s. And my mom grew our food, and she knew how to make food that would last. And, and you know, she knew how to keep vegetables over the winter and make quiche or uh, a roast or whatever she needed to do to feed. Uh, there were, uh, you know, five of us. And um, that is an underappreciated skill. She um, she knew how to make us clothing because she couldn't, have, you know, afford to buy us baby clothes, you know. Um, and I think it, that's something if we took, um, especially I, I see it in in our area in, in Bucks County. It's a pretty affluent area, and if I think we if we could take uh, some uh, retired housewives uh, into uh, inner city settings and, and, and show people, you know, this is how you make the food last for the week. Um, I think it would be a, a tremendous benefit for, for families and for children. And I think for a lot of people who don't realize how widespread that problem is and it, and how there, you know, there are families, you know, all over, even, you know, even in some of those, I guess, what you would consider, for lack of a better term, nicer areas uh, that, you know, do still have food insecurity. I think at least, especially for me, uh, when I was growing up, I never, I, I was completely ignorant of most of that. I thought things like that were just things that happened on TV, especially, um, you know, you kind of hit on substance use earlier. Like I thought, I thought, you know, most people don't do that. You know, most people are, you know, just like it's, I, I had a very fortunate upbringing. Uh, but I, I think, I think just awareness uh, that, it it exists and that it, it's actually out there. I think uh, we'll also go go further than what it has to to help people at least get behind more legislation like that and more and more programs along those lines. And and like I said, I didn't I didn't even fully grasp the how widespread issues like that were until I started. I, I do social work now until I until I got into to what I'm doing, and then it was just kind of like holy shit! Like this is this is just uh, just just some of the things uh, that are out there. Just uh, not anything that I was familiar with when I was growing up. Yeah, I, I mean, even um, in our um, in our county, I I saw an article that said there are nine hundred children that are homeless, and mm. you know that's that's terrible. That's we should all be, um, you know, that, that just shouldn't shouldn't be. Yeah. So getting more <laughs> a little back on track uh, here. Uh, so. Fake news. Um, yeah, I something about fake news, like the whole. I, I guess the last few months, I feel like it's people have exploded in like how much they're talking about it, and then we have uh, you know the skeptic community uh, just sitting over here yelling like we've been talking about this for like since ever, and now all of a sudden it's it's the the cool thing to do or uh, to talk about. But I mean, how? How do you think we we should go about combating fake news and in and addressing it even even you know with you know my my crazy neighbor who's telling me about Pizzagate or whatever? <laughs> um, 
Well, I, um, I, I, you know, I think both sides are guilty of it. If, mm. if anyone spends any time on social media, you can't go a couple of days before you see one side or the other pasting something, posting something that's clearly <laughs> not based in reality. And I, I just, I, I think both sides need to need to stop. I mean, uh, but it gets, but it the it's 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 so. It's so, and it kind of gets us into the next thing that I wanted to say, and and, and I, I I really do not like this term, but the post truth and with the an emphasis on you know what what I what I feel is more important than what actually may be. Uh, like, well, I I guess you don't have to be a rocket scientist to bring <laughs> a fact based approach to decision making, and when something sounds so ridiculous, you know. Google it for goodness sake and uh, you know and don't continue reposting things just because you happen to like what it says regardless of whether it's actually true. And I think I think like I appreciate you saying that both sides are because that's absolutely accurate because I mean just like you have the Breitbarts and just all that like that just like dirty like awful rabbit hole on 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 the right uh, or Nazis or whatever, you know, tomato, tomato, but you also have sites like, like Occupy Democrats. And I can't think of, uh, I know, I know there's a few others that like the other 98%, a few other pages like that, uh, on Facebook, especially that I, I see a lot of my own friends sharing, just taking in, in just like, just like, uh, they do with pseudoscience. They, they take, you know, they start with a basis of truth and then they kind of, you know, maybe fabricate some things or re like carefully reword things to misrepresent it or to, to s present it to the reader in such a way that they're just going to get clicks. And that's kind of what I feel like happened with Trump is we know like media companies know that he's going to get attention and they're going to get more eyeballs on their content. And so they give him all this free press and now we have I, – I think we went – I'm not sure if we actually said Trump or not, but I think – I feel like this is the first time we actually said Trump. Um, so I'm kind of proud of that. We made it 24 minutes, which is a record since November I think for us. But how do we, how do we kind of tackle this intersection of politics and science and – uh, just we, we we don't even have to talk about the social justice side of things tonight because that's a topic of another another show. But how do we do that in kind of the wake of a uh, Trump presidency? Yes. Um, well, one of the things that we are working on uh, with three one four action is to uh, try to uh, prevent Pruitt from becoming the head of the. EPA. Uh, I don't think it makes uh, sense to have a climate change denying EPA suing attorney general who uh, is even still raising money from the fossil fuel industry uh, to lead the EPA. I, I, it, it's just... And that's what confuses me so much. Like I, I can't I, – I want to understand this because I want to understand 
like people who disagree with me or have a different worldview, I want to understand the logic behind it, and I I, I just cannot. Like, because there is none. Right. There it, is none. <laughs> it we you you have the promise of we're going to get the you know all the corporate interests whatever out, but then I I I don't want to quote it exactly because I I can't think of it, but there's something like his the cabinet picks he has at this point make more than. Uh, like 60, it's, it's, I think it's more than 60% of, you know, the entire population of the United States. And that's, you know, maybe like at that time it was like 25 to 30 people that he had chosen. And I just, I just can't reconcile that, like how people are accepting of that when it's like, you know, you can look at this and see that it's, he's just lying to you. Yeah. And I mean, it, uh, uh, <laughs> yes. That's, <laughs> that's about the reaction that, that I, that I normally have is just, uh, okay. <laughs> this is a thing. This is happening. Uh, but yeah, like you said, we, we were uh, originally going to have, uh, Dr. Michael Mann on, uh, to talk to, uh, to, with you tonight because he's one of uh, the board members yes. and, and you kind of hit on the uh, the harassment of uh, climate, uh, climate scientists uh, li- like him. Um, and he like tr- – and I hate that – I even told Ted whenever we were planning this, I don't want to talk about Trump the whole time. <laughs> but it's, it's just so damn hard. But when you have – a president or a president-elect who's asking for like personal like names of who was on the EPA and who like gave advice and who in like attended conferences. Yeah, like how it's why why are we making why are we making lists? Is you know what people do with lists? They well, yes, you do know what they do with lists, and um, you know, and that is why we we do need to put our energies into where we can make a difference. And I do think that um, focusing on the Pruitt nomination is a wise use of our time and resources. So something that kind of, or I guess I should say really stuck out to me was this tweet that uh, our orange overlord put out on December 22nd, and I'm just going to read it. He said, the United States must greatly strengthen and expand its nuclear capability until such time as the world comes to its senses regarding nukes. And I know I read through your uh, uh, few articles about your campaign. I know you are an advocate for the non-proliferation of nuclear weapons. So, like, what is he doing? That is just one of the, I I mean, in in a uh, a list of incredibly irresponsible statements that has to be towards the top. Um, you know, we should be moving away from nuclear weapons, not towards them. And that is, um, that it's just absolutely terrifying that we, I don't know. And I'm all for renewable energy and all for that. I mean, but from what I've seen and from what I understand, the, the technology is just not there for us to switch over, do a hard switch from fossil fuels to that. So I, I feel like if we're going to if we're going to do anything in the nuclear realm, I, I feel like we need to be putting more emphasis on nuclear power to kind of bridge us through that because it's – yeah, there's still some bad 
after effects from that, but it's not nearly as significant as pulling our energy out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, sometimes you, you wonder what the thought was behind saying something like that. None. If it was just <laughs> or why. Yeah, it was none. Uh, spoiler alert. So uh, we had uh, we had a few people ask us uh, some questions here, and just to kind of close out our segments, I wanted to to, to ask uh, on their behalf here. Uh, so my uh, my friend Terry one uh, said just asked if there's if you have any advice uh, for talking to climate change deniers uh, to try to help them accept that it's a reality. Uh, you just, uh, she says she has a lot of friends and family that are in denial about it and she wants to know like how to just how to reach out to those people and maybe make them listen just a little more uh sure i mean you know i think one of the one of the um ways that denier or one of the things deniers use to uh against i guess science in general is they take terms that have a very different meaning um to scientists than to the general public and um, or manipulate the you know that not everybody's thinking about this all the time and um, you know a regular person may not know the difference between weather and climate and I think that's a good starting point um, in our own area uh, like I said we're suburban Philadelphia and we were hit pretty hard uh, by Hurricane Sandy a few years mm-hmm. back. And I really saw that locally as a turning point in a lot of people's minds where this wasn't a one-off event. This keeps happening. We keep getting flooded. We keep um, having our homes and businesses destroyed by these storms. And um, it's costing people in their pocketbooks. People have never had to have flood insurance before now are, are having their homes flooded. And I think that that's a, a helpful place to start as well is just the, you know, basic reality of how it's affecting people, you know, whether they're living in, you know, Pennsylvania or at the Jersey Shore. So what I'm hearing you say is that we need, you're advocating for more hurricanes to hit the East Coast. <laughs> I am not. But it is a reality that that's probably what's coming. And that's, I and I think that's, that's a good point because we're going to have more and more significant weather events like that, either, you know, m- either in, you know, winter storms or uh, hurricanes or, you know, strong, stronger storms in the summer like that. And I, I think that's a good point that it's it's going to take something like that for, for some people, you know, some real actual tragedy, uh, unfortunately, uh, for some people to, to, I guess, better come to, come to terms with that. Uh, and then the last question. Well, and just one other thing with that. Um, is, you know, if we look to our neighbors in South America and Central America, climate change is not an abstract threat to uh, these low-lying coastal uh, countries. It It is a reality that they're dealing with now. It's affecting rainfall. It's affecting crop production. It's affecting uh, access to, to water. Um, and so if you look at a country like Guyana in South America, that they're investing in 
climate change in, in, in things to slow or lessen the effects of climate change, how do we justify not doing something about it? And, um, you know, it's this idea that you're going to say something doesn't exist because you don't like it, although it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And I, I think kind of to that point, I think a lot of it is people don't want to hear why. And, and I guess kind of brings us back to the, the post-truth idea that people don't care why. They just – they know what they want. They know what they believe and they don't care to listen to, to anything to the contrary. So I, I, I feel like a lot of people – and I, you know, and, and if you if we can figure out how to solve that problem, you can probably get a Nobel Prize for it. But – I, I think that's I think that's part of the problem is just people just don't care about the why behind things and people just aren't questioning the the thought process <laughs> like even their own thought process and which is how we get people showing up at pizzerias uh, thinking that they're uh, going to free a bunch of kids that are trapped in a basement that doesn't exist. And this is an edit made after the recording. The audio actually cut out for just a couple minutes without us realizing it, so we lost some of the conversation we had, so we're just going to pick it up right where the recording picked back up. Uh, March 14th, which is uh, Pi Day, uh, 314 Action is hosting, uh, along with uh, some of our board members, and we are reaching out to uh, some of the very pro-science members of Congress, uh, to host a webinar to teach people, uh, especially people with scientific backgrounds, how to set up a campaign, how to run for office. It doesn't have to be just Congress. Um, you know, our, our local school boards in Pennsylvania are elected and uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, control curriculum and, um, you know, at all levels of government benefit by having uh, people with scientific backgrounds uh, involved. And so we uh, are organizing this event and asking people to to sign up and and think about either putting their name on a, on the ballot or uh, you know working for someone who who has. Yeah, absolutely. And so if people want to see, read, learn more about you and uh, three one four action, where can they go on the interwebs to do that? Uh, 314action.org. All right. Well, do you have do you have a Twitter or a Facebook? Or... Oh, uh, yes. Uh, also 314action for both. All right. And we will put links to everything in the notes for the show here. And so thank you so much for taking time out of your night uh, to talk to me here. Thank you. And uh, Happy New Year to you. And thanks for uh, for the work you're doing. Well, thank you. Tonight we're doing something kind of different for why we love the internet. Like instead of talking about things like crap taxidermy or air traffic control memes, we're going to talk about something kind of real. Um, we have Miles Greb joining us tonight to talk about the March for Science. Miles is the, are we calling you the coordinator or organizer of the satellite March for Science in Seattle? Does that sound? Sure. Is that I, yeah, I think good? organizer is the term. COO, CSO, CPA. He's getting shit done. He's yeah. getting shit done, like in Seattle for, for science. So um, 
thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. And, thanks for supporting. And happy merch. birthday. Happy birthday yeah, to Miles. Yeah, 29. birthday. Great for me. All right. Well, happy birthday. And thank you for taking time on your birthday to talk to yeah, us. Yeah, especially. Like, yeah. yeah well, um, I can think of like a thousand different things I would rather be doing than talking to me, but you know. Well, I'll do laser well, tag later tonight, but this is more. Oh, important. okay. So, oh, there, yeah, because so, yeah, you're on the you're on the west coast. It's our, I was say it's like yeah. eight o'clock already for us. It's uh, bedtime for uh, yeah. for me. For me, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So let's let's talk about the March for Science. Now, the thing that that struck me about this, and this is why we're kind of including it in the internet like portion of the show, is I remember like somebody on my Twitter feed tweeted about it, and then I like instantly like retweeted and followed the account and it had maybe like a hundred or so followers and then by the end of the day it was like explosion of people being interested in this thing so miles can you kind of talk to how this just like grew sure yeah so i mean pretty much the the initial kind of idea was started by the people in dc it was going to be the march of scientists right they were going to they were inspired by the Women's March, and then there was the whole attack on the EPA and the idea of censoring a lot of the parks departments and saying that they couldn't talk about climate change, and then saying that scientific data had to go through the White House before it was published if it was <laughs> publicly funded. And, and, you know, that kind of triggered this uh, stairs ad effect where people saw information being censored, so everyone wanted to look at the information. And these accounts grew rather rapidly of, the, you know, the Alt-EPA, the Alt-Parks Department, then the March for Science was kind of like the... Um, action-oriented part of that movement. And as it started to grow, um, and I saw that they were looking for satellite marches, um, I thought I was in a good position to help set up the Seattle one uh, because, you know, I I write um, science stories up here. I do science communication. And I felt like, hey, this is my moment. You know, I've always been talking about how we need to, like, make science more optimistic and make people feel like it's something they should buy into to build a better future. And I felt kind of responsible to take the chance and get the page going. So I set up the Facebook and set up the Twitter and I luckily like I have a lot of art assets from from the work that I do that were kind of like inspiring science shots. So those kind of started trending really well. And um, I made the little earth with the I'm with her pointing at the earth. And that was quite mimetic. So um, it kind of helped build the page up. And also, I think Seattle, regardless of me, would have a quite a big group because, you know, we Seattle cares about technology and science quite a bit. You know, it's kind of the backbone of, of what we do up here. So I'm, I'm sure I helped a little bit, but also a lot of credit has to go to Seattle for being such a scientific and technology-driven city. Yeah, I mean your um, your Facebook group and, and Twitter following it's it's really large. It's really large, and it grew quickly. And um, yeah, so I mean it, it speaks to obviously, like you said, the community there, and then you just like the initiative that you took is pretty awesome. That it just like it just happened like that yeah, and yeah well um i also have a lot of other great people helping me you know i've, I've put some people in like leadership teams and different mm-hmm. groups and stuff and they're doing a lot of great work but it's just really awesome to see people come out and support a positive cause you know because this is the march for science we're trying to be a positive and constructive march to show everybody why we care so much about the methodology of science and all that it can do for us both in terms of social good you know what it has done for us in the past what it can help us understand and where it can take us and so, so how many, as far, yeah, go ahead, Dan. This is why we got it. So how many people are involved on the organizational side of things? Sure. So we have the three main people in the leadership team. We have Serene, who's in charge of like community and diversity outreach. And then we have Teresa, who's in charge of logistics. Um, I think she probably has the hardest job. 
And then I'm kind of on the media and messaging side of things. And so then we each have a bunch of people downward that do lots of other things. You know, we have like a webmaster and a merchandising guy and everything like that. So we're trying to build a big group and include everybody that wants to volunteer. But our list of volunteers is kind of large right now. Um, but we're trying to get everyone involved who has a passion for it. And, and of course, they're, we're going to have tons of marchers. And as far as like, you know, mission or goals of, mm -hmm. of the march, is there like an overarching, like for all of kind of the March for Science, like goals and things, or, or are there things specific to you guys or both? Sure. So there is like an overarching goal and each city, you know, has the right to talk about things the way they want to. What's really important to the main organization and to us is that we make science seem like it what it is it's for the people you know science doesn't belong to any political party it doesn't belong to any moment in time or or a group of people science is a process that helps us understand the world and that should be for everybody um and so we really want to put science in people's hands and make them feel like it belongs to them because it it does is natalie still here i'm still here yes Okay. Yeah. I think Again, it was, yeah, no, it, it, I know it sounded, this is this is like the dirty sounded, side of things that you never see. It sounded yeah, a little heard, yeah, a little glitchy too. for yeah. a sec. Yeah. Um so I like I know that some of the like the criticism I had seen was kind of that it um the march was kind of political or sense, but like trying to, trying to encompass like too many things into sure. in, into what just one message and, so we, and we're into one moment. We are political in the sense that we have, we want the government to support science. We want data that we've paid for to be open to the public. And we want more people to think about science issues when they vote. We are not partisan in the sense that we're not saying any group of people has a monopoly on good ideas or has a perfect understanding of science. You know, science is a complicated thing. And if you're not an expert in any field, you're likely to be wrong in another one. And so, you know, there's, there's misunderstandings about scientific consensus all around, but um, we're here to march for science. That doesn't mean many people in the group or many of the organizers don't have other causes they're interested in. But what I would like to do and what the team would like to do is get people to see that there are scientific solutions to these that are not just political. Um, for example, like we have political problems in America, we're, like in Flint, they have a massive water crisis that everybody's aware of. Um, politics is one methodology for solving problems, but also engineering, which is a dovetail of science, is another process. You know, if you can cause social good by getting into the sciences and learning how to make better systems, so perhaps these things won't fail if our political system does. So if you're very interested in social justice issues, we are too. We just want to say science is a great way to get involved in them because you can fix them um, even if our other systems fail us. And I think that's where a lot of the criticism has, has come from was the it's my in, in definitely early on it's it, it was not I could you could tell that they didn't expect it to explode in the way that that it did. And so early on there, there I felt a lot of those undertones or at least some of the things that I read uh, that were talking about, uh, you know, a lot of those social justice issues and something that I've said is like the Typically, the, the Venn diagram of people who support science and the people who, you know, promote social justice are, you know, that resembles pretty much a circle. But 
I think what they've done a good job of since, you know, since like late January, whenever they first kind of organized and were getting the message together and getting out there, I think they, they've really started to focus more on the, like you said, the, the, the science aspect and, and not so much, you know, the, some of these issues that are, um, a little bit outside of the realm of science and, and, and focusing on facts and evidence-based information and, and letting evidence guide our, uh, our opinions in politics. Yeah. So, so obviously like the March probably expects to get like a really good turnout. I would expect like in I, all I, of the locations, like I DC so. and otherwise. And so, so that'll be like, I mean, I imagine in a way similar to, like the like I went to the women's march in DC and it was this like you know massive coming together of people and the I mean I felt a vibe of you know optimism yeah. and like wanting sure. people wanting to you know like move forward and you know have a cause like is that is that the like a similar hope for the science march that's like a rallying of people around this yeah, idea so, of critical thinking and you know everything? um we used to have this this um, this vision of science, you know, the Star Trek kind of gaze that it would make us, you know, brighter, more inclusive and better in the future. You know, science was the moon lander and it was going to be the flying car and it was plastics and it was, you know, longer lifespans. And science did deliver on some of those things. But then we had the atom bomb and we had these cold wars and we had the threat of automation taking people's jobs. And we have this fear. If we could just stop killing one another long enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we, we have this fear and, and this doubt. And then science has become something people see as isolated. You know, the scientists are those people over there. You see that a lot in media where scientists, you know, don't have a lot of common sense or don't have a lot of social skills. But you know, this isn't this isn't true. Science is work and scientists are working people, you know, and um, there's never going to be a better time to come and talk to us. Um, to get involved in science because we're going to be out on the streets. There's going to be geologists and physicists, biologists. We're all going to be walking. And so any kind of institutional problems we've had with science and being inclusive, you know, we can't fix that in a day. Um, we can't fix all the pessimism and cynicism in the world or all the problems in general. But we're, scientists are going to be out on the street. And if people can come meet us and come join us and come see what we have to say, then I think that that can do a lot of work to helping the world be better. And not just America, but the whole world. I like optimism. I do. I think like, at, like I'm at trying this, really, really well, hard to. That's, well, that's my positive. <laughs> well, no, I, I think, but I think though, like that, that's the part for me that I, you know, that I can kind of grab onto with this kind of, with this sort of, you know, march or whatever is that in the current climate right now, like the, the dumpster fiery climate yeah. of, well, of the year, like, something like this if it can be a unifying force and then people figure out from there what's next and then actually make moves to make change that's cool i think yeah it's important to remember that although cynicism you know can really weigh on you and and you can definitely find information to validate it it's not an evidence-based position um lifespans have been increasing uh you know all, all indicators of wellness have been increasing. Um, we learn more every year. Um, we become better every year. I, obviously, there's a certain foil that we have politically. And, you know, we don't, we're not always getting better every single year in all of our ways. But 
like Martin Luther King said, you know, the arc of history is long and it bends towards justice. And I think that that's statistically true. At least I hope so. <laughs> so seriously. So, all right. If, um, if there are people that are like, you know, listening to this or watching it and want to get involved in the march, like what can they do? Or if just in general, like people want to be advocates for science and reason, like what, what advice do you have? I mean, look at, you've just kind of took this whole thing on and ran with it. So on, you know, even on like just a smaller level, what yeah. advice do you have for people? So there's lots of things you can do. You know, um, a lot of people think science is really cool, but don't know a lot about it. You're very welcome to join the march. It isn't just people who know what P values are. You know, if you think that science is important, we welcome you to come to the march. You can go on Facebook and find your local march. There's some in small towns, big towns. It doesn't matter. There's also the DC one. Go find your Twitter. Get involved there. There will be organizers at each one of those marches that will love to have your help, even if it's just clean up after the march so we leave no trace and be very eco-friendly after the march or help with photography or finance, whatever it is. Please get involved. Um, there's tons of things you can do. Also, if you just want to learn more about science, I'd recommend, you know, checking out Carl Sagan's work, read Demon Hunter World or his original Cosmos. That should really inspire you and kind of get you into like like this passion that a lot of us have for science comes from people like Carl Sagan. And um, there's tons of other great writers um, from all different cultures and societies in the world that you can you can read. So I would just look into whatever field you care about the most, whatever social justice issue or culture or kind of thing. There are people there that do really great science. So get involved with them and then you can illuminate their work in the science march if you want, because we just want to include everybody. Awesome. And I, I'd like to give you a second also to like plug yeah, some of the other work that you We didn't talk about you like do. at all. Like what yeah. you do and where to well, find yeah, you. Wanna... And... Because yeah, not, you've got you really do some awesome me. stuff. It's, it's, it's more well, about the we're, march. We're, I'm gonna make we're gonna make it about you right now okay. for the end, so you can tell like everybody sure. like what you work on and where to find you on the internet and that kind of good yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, um, my name is Miles Grab and I live up here in Seattle. Um, I uh, I write a, a couple comic books that are hard science based. My main one is called After the Gold Rush, and it's um it's the first kind of like hard science based comic where it's peer reviewed. So any of the information in it, you can write it in correct and we'll print fixes in the end of each issue. Um, it follows the last scientist as she returns to Earth to find it in a state of wilderness. And um, the first couple issues are out now. I also have a prehistorical novel called Clovis, which follows what maybe is the first North American people, but the science on that's a bit tentative, called the Clovis people and a young mother who um, is searching the wilderness for her lost son. So those two books are out now. You guys can check them out through my website. You can go to uh, at Gold Rush Comic or after the Gold Rush dot space and you can find those. But I would do that after you get involved with the science march because that's <laughs> that's more important. Well, thank you for like for just being an advocate for science and being just so stoked about doing it. I mean, I think it's always cool and inspiring to see people who are passionate about, I mean, whatever they're doing. And so you know, thank you for talking to us about this. And we'll have links to everything that you're up to and the Science March stuff, everything in our um, notes for the show. But but yeah, thank you. And like, we're excited yeah, thank to, you so much. to see this continue. And you know what? I, I, I'd i love to have you come back after the the March and maybe and we can do a little little recap of how it all went and sure, where yeah, it's going from there. You should read after the gold rush and tell me if anything's wrong. And then we could talk about that. We, we could, yeah, we could have a, a multi-purpose show next time. We could do <laughs> comics and post-science march. So sure. we'll do a lot. We'll do a longer why one that both? time. So why That'd not both? We will do both. Yes. 
Um, so thank you. Yeah, thanks All for having right. me on, guys. And uh, be sure to join the March for Science. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Cheers. And thank you for joining us for this week's episode. If you enjoyed listening, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you have comments or suggestions or love letters or want to talk to Natalie more about come in people's God's mouths, you can email us at podcast at like don't 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 like that last thing. Don't do that. At podcast at a scienceenthusiast.com. You can also find the full podcast archive at scienceenthusiastpodcast.com. Follow the podcast page on Facebook, me as a science enthusiast or Natalie as skeptical parenting. And if you really enjoy the show, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash TSE podcast to get access to like extended stuff, uncut stuff, uncut. And we talked about common. I said uncut because circumcision is barbaric as fuck. Jesus Christ, dude. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> We understand that not everyone can afford to financially contribute to the show, and that is totally okay. But if you can, just like Michael T., Trevor Valley, yeah, I can say Trevor Valley. Yeah, yeah. he's a friend of the show. Alice, Michael B., Michael B. A. I can't even say Michael B. A. because they're both Michael B. A. But I'm short for badass. Felix, Amanda, Chris, James, Sarah, and Jose have done. We would be incredibly grateful. Natalie, hit us with a quote. Not come. I hate you so much right now, but that's not the quote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. It's oh, like a full circle. Like, oh, it sh- the quote it's should- a circle jerk. <laughs> you are on a, you're on a roll. Okay. Jesus Christ. All right. I mean, the quote should just be fuck it now, but I'll. But I'll- <laughs> it, it, like, this is like, not like, not a quote to like, yeah. Anyway. Like. So, so I actually have to read. I have to actually read a Carl Sagan quote now. All right. The world is so exquisite with so much love and moral depth that there is no reason to deceive ourselves with pretty stories for which there's little good evidence. Far better, it seems to me, in our vulnerability, is to look death in the eye and be grateful every day for the brief but magnificent opportunity that life provides. Carl Sagan, awesome dude. Yep, and that yeah, enough, so it's, yeah it's that was that like was highbrow. Like- yeah, it's, and it's kind of like saying, you know, why not pay attention to the now and not worry about some fantasy afterlife? Totally. That's why I chose it. So um, if you've made it this far with um, from the beginning of this show. Yeah, we talked me. about fucking. We talked about coming and mouths and like, so, like, would that be? That was a lot. Know. That was just a, it, it was it was a lot of stuff. Self, well, like self facial and I like that we have this on video because you just did a, a hand motion that like, yeah. I don't, yeah, thank you for showing me that. And and speaking of all of this, we'll be back next week with um, Katya Aria, uh, with whom, with whom we recorded, <laughs> with whom we recorded um, an interview about eh, vaginal discharge and, and vaginal discharge and the Orthodox yeah. um, Jewish faith. So <laughs> what do so, they all have in common? They all are a thing. So that's all a thing that, and we will be back with that next week. Um, Talking about rabbis who inspect yeah. dirty panties. Yes. And an interesting yeah. note, uh, we just found oh, out yeah, yeah. Uh, today or yesterday from mm-hmm. uh, just chatting with Katya. Uh, we recorded the interview. What Saturday? Maybe um, I think Saturday. Maybe Sunday. I don't even I don't know, know anymore. We recorded yeah. it before now, but since then the. 
link to the interview has become blocked on Facebook, and it's a link to the richarddawkins.net website that has Facebook has decided it's blocked for being abusive, or I forget what exact terminology it used, but it is absolutely blocked on Facebook, and I don't know. I don't know why. We don't know why. We haven't been able to figure that out yet. No. But it's just interesting that uh, all of a sudden, now it's blocked. A little weird. A little strange. A little weird. A little strange that you accurately and fairly criticize religion and Facebook decides to block the link to it. Hmm. Zuckerberg. Hmm. What's up, Zuckerberg? Hmm. I don't know. We call that getting (laughs) zucked. Not Fuck that it. I'm familiar Suck with yeah. getting blocked or banned on Facebook. Or You're not familiar like that. with that at all. Not, yeah. And I'm not like really like super critical of Zuckerberg at all. And he's not like one of my favorite people of all because he's so consistent with how he bans people for just sharing opinions. But like yeah. w- what we need to protect is the free speech of Nazis, though. That's what we really need to protect. Why are you saying that word in this? Because episode? he does, he does, he doesn't fucking ban like actual like hate groups, like spreading hate and fear and. Uh, he, but he, then like, uh, it, but then yeah. I post something that's completely harmless, and you're gonna like fucking like block me for thirty days from Facebook for it. Okay. That's how it works. Go fuck yourself, Mark Zuckerberg. All right. But, like, so, but, like, so please don't ban me. Like please don't, don't ban me. Like why, I rely no. so heavily on your We're, product. Right now, as we're doing this like live broadcast, it just goes dark because Zuckerberg yeah, hears right. you. Like, <laughs> it just it just goes it just goes dark. Okay, before we go, that's why we're building I, the YouTube following. We have, yeah, we have twelve totally. followers as of today yeah. on YouTube. So awesome! We're, we are we are one could say we are exploding on YouTube. We are. <laughs> Don't I'm not doing. The blank. I'm, that no, was a visual I'm, for those of you watching the video. We are yeah. on YouTube. All right, so you know be- before it's before a, it's a, it's we're done, it's a joke done, about cum. It is. It's a, okay. Before we're done, I want I want you're to the get- one that invited cum into this into this podcast. I just want to like throw that out there. Like I know one of our words of the week or phrases of the week, uh, like a month or two ago, was bloody cum infidel. But like you you made a whole segment about cum, so well, that's on you. No, no, that's no, no, not no. my fault. I didn't do about- that. I didn't make that decision. That's you. It was about God. It was about the world being created. It's a beautiful thing. In somebody's mouth. Well, actually, out of somebody's mouth. In, like we didn't even need like the cum part, out. like because I didn't. That that's not what created the world. It was like, he cried because he was so happy. No, no, and but then, like, but the but like the but cum like, was a like, catalyst also, for that. Also, again, a follow up question that we didn't ask and may not get an answer to. So, like, he like. And I'm doing a visual here. He like nuts on his face, nuts into his mouth. <laughs> Stay with me. Stay I'm with, with you. Me. I'm with you. He goes in his mouth. Like, how good of a shot is this guy? Like, has he practiced well, this? He's a god. Like, that, how that's is he like... not? How is he not getting like? Because mm, mm, I could. Ooh, we could have a whole podcast about about this. But like, <laughs> he's not going to get it a hundred percent in there. He's going to get some like on his. No, no, I no, I think, like I, I'm I not think saying I know wrong. from experience. I'm I just think, saying, like, no. just knowing like how things work when you're dealing with that sort of uh, no, it's uh, like it's, it's the god exception. It's like he's a god, and so See, the the alternative I want to believe is that he got a little something right there, and then like tear went down, it kind of mixed with it, and like they were like up, oh, and now we're the world. <laughs> 
I think that's that's that's. I mean, it's absolutely as plausible, is it a- not? Absolutely. Oh, it's as plausible because because it's all fucking made up. Yeah. So. And we just I'm, lost I'm, like three live viewers on YouTube. <laughs> I'm really glad that you dug deeper into that. I hate you so well, much we right could, now. We could, we could t- like, we, we have up to eight hours that we could do this live video. Like, we have eight hours. I can't talk about cum for eight hours. <laughs> There's the outtake and You're just not you. the co-host that I thought you were. <laughs> I am the worst. Okay, can I give like a little like shout out to some friends who are who just started yeah, a podcast? Yeah, I mean, why not? We talked about not? cum for like an hour. Yeah. So so, why not? so 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 after that, sorry guys, you guys are following the the cum discussion. They're the um, post. Yeah. Post, so post coitus. So so um, my friends, um, some of my college friends, Chris, Chris, and Ryan have started a podcast with like my favorite um podcast title ever. I think it's called Exo Squad Goals. So like Exo Squad's a cartoon. And there are, like, three men talking about this, like, obscure cartoon. And so, um, but, like, squad goals. Like, you know how we talked about squad goals? And I still we don't, don't, we don't We still don't really means, know what it is. But, but yeah, we'll put a, we'll put a link um, in our show notes to Exo Squad Goals. Um, oh, will we? We will, because I said I don't so, see it in the notes right now. But I'll, I'll get you. I'll get it to you. I'll get it to you. <laughs> like, whatever. Because I am not editing this until tomorrow night. Yeah, we have time. So, um, okay, so that so that's like a recommendation from me to our audience. Like, do you have any? Like, what are oh, you? Oh, you're putting me on the spot days? here. I'm putting you on the spot. Um, what am I? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Uh, this is why we edit. What should I? What should? What should we promote here? I don't know. Um, I don't know either. Well, what other podcasts do I like? I like trolling. I'm not. Logic. I'm not. I I will fully disclose. I have not. I've been a little burned out on the social media side of things uh the last couple of weeks because people are just the fucking worst but yeah. like my favorite favorite podcast is, is i think we plugged them last week is scathing atheist that's where where i got some of the gumption to to make our own podcast from um so like Shout out to them, but also god awful movies. I don't think I ever talked. I, I don't think I talked about at all on our show. Uh, oh, that yeah. I went to the live record uh, they did in Chicago. What like three weeks ago up in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, and that was just great. Yeah, I, I mean yeah. that's all there is to it. Like the movie They're itself awesome. is awful. Like I watched. Well, like we, my girlfriend and I went up and we watched the movie. When uh, uh, the day after we got back, and it is, it's even worse than like what they like. Everything like I, I haven't watched like most of the movies that they review, and I think we did. Uh, you and I, and I think Bobby back in the day watched Revelation um, Road. Revelation Road, mm-hmm. and with David uh, Archa, whatever uh, the fuck, da- David A. R. White. A. R. White, yeah, yeah, close enough, yeah, and. Yeah. I don't think I've watched a single other one of their movies that they've reviewed until uh, this one. And it was like they they were way too nice. <laughs> they were way too. I don't even remember what it what it, what the movie was. Oh, Right to Believe is what it was. And all it was. Was it, it awful? Just this, just, it was this guy. It, it was it was a hour and a half or probably to closer to two hours of like a debate between a Christian and a homosexual where the Christian is like, I don't approve of your lifestyle. 
and the homo I hate even calling him the homosexual like like somebody who yeah. who like you know likes dicks and like also has a dick like totally okay like who cares like just the oh my gosh like just the apologetics and then like I don't want I don't want to spoil it for, for anybody anyone. who's going to go watch but it. But if you're right going to watch now. it, it's on yeah. Amazon Prime. It's the only place I can find it without like having to pay money. So like, free. Please, yeah. like, for the love yeah. of like Muhammad, like do not pay money for this. But like it's it was just like I don't pay attention to the guy in the background who looks angry and reacts like randomly to like <laughs> things that may or may not be said the whole time because he has a pivotal role at the end where he just pulls a gun on on the, on the guy who likes who who likes dicks and like Sounds the awesome. Christian of course defends awesome. him because yeah. like we're against shooting people but we're not against persecuting people because of who they are as a person at no fault of their own because Christians don't understand you know how that works or I should say some not some. all some hashtag not, not all not Christians. Christians. <laughs> all right, so um, we'll do this again next week. <laughs> Yeah, and so thank you for watching, or I'm sorry, or both, or I, th- I think it's I think it's a lot of a lot of it's a lot of cum. That's all I know. It's a lot of cum. We have like I'm gonna have to like put like the boop that like says like this is like the end of the official end of the episode. You can stop listening like if you're if you don't want to hear. But like even then, well, like like the I'm whole really this sorry. whole episode, like, like, we earned that explicit tag this week. We did. We did. Um. It. It's gonna be a nightmare to edit tomorrow night. Well, it's just it's just a lot. There's of so much of that. It's like I don't want to like I gotta like. Pull There's it a back, lot you have like, to like clean like, up. We go like I I say we like, we're talking about come. I need I need somebody to like run my press life. Press the buttons for you or something. Press the to press the press the buttons. For you. Yeah, like <laughs> that's what you need. Like put that on Craigslist. I need a button button presser. I don't. I don't know that I want that to be on Craigslist. I don't know what don't kind of that? response I would get to that. To a button presser? Yeah. Like, yeah. I would, I mean, it would be entertaining, but like, Yeah. also I might like lose a kidney. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know what kind of people apply like, for that job. No, it's a, it's a roll of the dice sometimes. Yeah. And that's the time I hung out with Nazis and then like. Oh God. You did not like prepare me at all. But that, but that's to talk why. about cum for like ten minutes. Like, <laughs> but, I have it, so many like peer-reviewed studies about. But that's why. Really, that's I why could. it was funny. That's why it was funny. See, I I had it in hand. I hand wrote my notes. Because you couldn't have done like a separate Google Doc and not like shared it. Oh, well, I was going <laughs> old school. <laughs> I just pulled out my. You're just like. You're just like. Fuck! I never thought of that. <laughs> no. But okay, here's the funny thing. That was though. the most genuine reaction I could have. <laughs> You're like, oh god damn it! Like I could have done that. That would have no. saved so much time. The music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight LLC. All rights reserved.